Sponsorship for the class. She was dedicated by Rabbi Moshe and Ruti Weiss from Chabad of Sherman Hoaks. And this is in honor of the birthday of their twin boys, whose birthday was today. Chofches Cheshvan. May Yoyna Mordechai and Menachem Mendel. May Hashem bless them both with a uh, wonderful, wonderful good year. Much growth, much nachas for the parents, from your two children growing up, in Torah, and Yerushamayim, and Chasidis, and only, only good things. There should be a Chasid, Yerushamayim, and Lamdin, and everything else that we wish for our children. And you should raise, you and your wife should raise him in good health, raise them in good health. And only have a lot of nachas. Thank you so much for that dedication. Another dedication, it's only birthday night tonight. That's beautiful. Another dedication also for another two boys. Velvel Tzikman, Velvel and Paulina Tzikman, are dedicating tonight's class in honor of their two boys. Not twins, but two boys who have their birthdays also this week. Um, earlier in the week, Herschel and David Tzikman. May Hashem bless them both. With a shnas brach and a wonderful good year. And lots of nachas to you, Velvel. You went to your wife, from your, from your boys. And they make you proud in every way. And you should uh, merit to see them. Go to the chuppah and l'maysim toivim. And grow up to be real chassidish yidin. They give you a lot of nachas. Thank you, thank you for all those who dedicate. Thanks so much. Um, yes? Who's, whose birthday? Okay, so we have another dedication. And this is in honor of Rifkadina Baschaya Bunya. And this dedication is by the Newman family, by Bunya Newman and her husband. And this is in honor of their daughter's birthday. May you have a lot of nachas. A lot, a lot of nachas. And from her and merit to see only, only good from her and from the entire family. Okay, thanks for the dedications, and we are ready to begin the class. Today's week is Parshas Toldos, and Toldos 
is a very exciting parsha. It's a beautiful parsha, an exciting parsha, an uplifting parsha. There's so much, so much to talk about. There's so much, so much energy in Parshas Toldos. I'd like to focus the class on the most dramatic story that there is in the Parsha. We spoke about this a few times, but right now we're talking about particularly uh, the blessings in which Yitzchak blesses his son Yaakov unintentionally. He wants to bless his son Esav, but Rivka got in, um, put her input into this and managed to switch it all around and direct those magnificent, unbelievable blessings to her son Yaakov. Instead of Chas Shalom, the blessings going to Esau. What Yitzchak's intentions were, um, we had discussed already in an amazing class a couple of years ago. It's worth listening to. I forgot the name of the class. Um, and there's the whole powerful relationship between Jew and non-Jew. It's really, really fascinating. Um, Today I'd like to focus on, in order, on one particular part. It says that in order for Yaakov to get the blessings, Yaakov had to masquerade as if he's Esau. So he had to get dressed like Esau, he put on Esau's garment. Um, his mother Rivka uh, um, went and she, she had Esau's clothing that he left by her because he didn't trust his own wives. And he gave it, and these were very, very, very special clothing. They were taken from Nimrod, so... It was like uh, it had, uh, this was um, very, very valuable. So um, his mother took those, that jacket or whatever it was and gave it to Yaakov. And then like this, she'll have the smell of Esav. And then she went and she took hairy things and put it around the, the goats, uh, the, the, the hide and the, 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 the hair of the goat and put it around his, because Esav was a very hairy guy. And that's how Yaakov came in, in disguise, uh, pretending he's his brother Esav. Uh, when Yitzchak is a little suspicious and he tells him because he's not talking the words that are coming out of his mouth don't sound like the regular rough uh, words and the rough style of talking that Esau would talk so he was a little suspicious something was strange about here so he comes and said let me touch let me feel you and he feels him and, he, and Hashem at that moment blesses Yaakov with this incredible fragrance or he's a tzaddik and he smells like Gan Eden. he has the scent of Gan Eden. And Yitzchak is overtaken by the powerful smell of Ganeiden. It says that Yitzchak knows the smell of Ganeiden. Again, in addition to tzaddikim, they know all kinds of things. But in addition to that, Yitzchak himself lived in Ganeiden for three years. Uh, it says in Sfarim, different versions of this, that according to some opinions, Avram Avinu actually slit Yitzchak's throat by the Akedah to a certain to a certain degree, in order to him to he didn't kill him, but uh, and then. Um, in order to heal him, Hashem took Yitzchak to Gan Eden, where Yitzchak lived, and that was his rehab. For a couple of years, he spent in Gan Eden, in which he was rehabilitated. So he had, he knew the scent of Gan Eden. And when Yaakov came close, Yitzchak was, was, was overjoyed to feel that, and he, and he thought it's Esau, and he thought, wow, this Esau has really got super potential. In any case, he exclaims, Yitzchak exclaims, and he says, Vayomer, and he says, this is in chapter uh, 27, verse 27, very beautiful. And he says, Vayomer, and he says, take a look, the scent of my son, it's like the scent of the field, that God has blessed. What's the field that God has blessed? Gan Eden, right? The, the, the Garden of Eden. He says, you smell, you have the scent of Gan Eden. Fine. So there's an interesting Sifri, not here, there's no Sifri on Bereshis, this is in Parshas Vezay Sabracha. I think over there it's talking about how Hashem showed a vision to Moshe Rabbeinu. 
And then Hashem showed him the future of, of, of the Jewish people and all the future events that were going to happen, including the Beis Amigdash standing, the Beis Amigdash being destroyed, and the Beis Amigdash being rebuilt. So the Medrash says over there, V'chein Yitzchak, and so too Yitzchak had that vision of all of history. And what did he, and, and, and he saw the Beis Amigdash built, he saw the Beis Amigdash destroyed, and then he saw the Beis Amigdash rebuilt again. It's a, a, a free. So it says over there, like, what do you see that Yitzchak Shenemar? How do you know that Yitzchak saw the Beis Amigdash built, destroyed, and then rebuilt again? It says in the Pasuk, Re'ei, take a look, Re'ach Bini, the son, the, the scent of my son. So the Medrash plays on the word, instead of the word Bini, which means my son, you can read it, the Bonoi, built. Bonoi and Bini is almost the same word. So it's the same, it has the same like letters, root letters. So Re'ach Bonoi, the scent is built up. What does it mean, the scent? Re'ach means a scent, it's built up. The Beisam Migdash was a place that created a magnificent fragrance to God. Because we know that the main objective, or the, one of the main things of the Beisam Migdash, according to Maimonides, this is actually the main function of the Beisam Migdash, is to offer sacrifices. According to Nachmanides, the Ramban, the main function of the Beisam Migdash is the Hashras Hashchina, God dwelling over there. But according to the Rambam, it's the Beisam Migdash is a place of worship. And how do we worship? Through sacrifices. So, and sacrifices cause a pleasant aroma, a reach, a smell. So when the Pasuk says reach bonui, means the fragrance factory, that which creates the fragrance, which is the base amigdash, and the altar, bonoi is built up. So that's the first base amigdash. Then it says kereach sada, like the scent of the field. And that's referring to the base amigdash after it was demolished and destroyed. The period of time when there is a desolate mountaintop. And it says in the Pasuk, so how do you see that in the words? It says in the Pasuk, Tzion, the Tzion, which is the Yerushalayim, the Beis Amigdash, Sadeh Techaresh, is going to be plowed like a Sadeh, like a field. Tzion, the Yerushalayim, Sadeh, like a field, Techaresh, it's going. So that's what it means in the Pasuk, when it says Kereach, Sadeh, like the scent of the field, it's talking about that, that plowed field, which the Romans or the Babel, whoever it was, I think the Romans after they went and they, we know the famous story that Rabbi Akiva, when they saw the plead of plowed field, they couldn't believe. They saw the fox going, uh, but I think it was also that they saw the plowed field. They saw them plowing down the whole. Good. So that's indicative of the second phase of the Holy Temple where the Beisamigdash lay in ruins. And finally it says, Asher Hashem, that God has blessed. So what is it referring to that God has blessed? That's referring to the third Beis HaMikdash. That's going to be the ultimate blessing of God. That's what we are waiting for any moment. We're going to open our eyes and we're going to see the most splendid thing in the world. The third temple on the mountaintop. Now it's interesting. A similar thing to this Medrash. The Medrash also says by Avram Avinu. When Avram Avinu was standing on the Haram Maria after the Akedas Yitzchak, it says in the Pasuk over there that Vayikra Avram, Avram called Hashem HaMokamahu, the name of that place. Hashem Yira, Hashem should see. Hashem that which will be said today. Bahar Hashem Yeros. Over there too, the Medrash learns out that Avram got a snapshot of, the, of that Mokam. As I, I mentioned it on Shabbos, I think, uh, when I was uh, one by, by the Kiddush, one of the, one of the times. See, Tzadikim, they transcend time. And whenever they go to a place, they experience the place past, present, and future. So they can, when they walk in somewhere, they, fa- they can sense something that happened 3,000 years ago in that place, and they can feel something that's going to happen in 1,000 years in this place.
So when Avram was standing, but Akedas Yitzchak there too. That's what it means. Hashem Yireh is referring to the first base on Mignosh, when Hashem was looking, when Hashem would look and see us coming to the temple. We didn't have such clear vision on God, but God had vision of us. As it says, Shalish Pa'amim Yireh, we should be seen. Then it says, Bahar Hashem on the mountain of God, that's talking about Alhar Tzion Sheshamim, the mountain of Zion Sheshamim that is desolate, that is destroyed. And finally, Bahar Hashem Yehra'e on the mountain, Hashem Yehra'e, Hashem will be visible. It's the third base of English. When the Nigla Kvayd Hashem, when the glory of God will be revealed, and our eyes, Ve'neinu Serenam Al Chusach, our eyes will see your glory. So these are the, this is by Avram Avinu, same thing like by Yitzchak. Fine. However, the problem is like this. The fact that Avram Avinu sees it, and the Torah speaks about that he had that vision, good, he just did the Akedas Yitzchak, and Hashem is showing him, you know, the, 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 what, what you have just accomplished. You stood over here at the base, at the, on this mountain, you laid the foundation. So let me show you everything that's going to occur as a result of what you're doing. But over here, this is, this Pasuk is an intro, so we understand, that makes sense. But by Yitzchak, this vision that Hashem is showing Yitzchak is supposed to serve as an introduction to the blessings. Which means it's supposed to inspire Yitzchak. It's supposed to bring about the merit and this chus or whatever it is that the blessing should, do, should, should, do, should be worthy for a blessing. So that needs an already understanding. I understand that the first temple which was built and that is to the virtue of the Jewish people, to the merit of the Jewish people. I mean, we didn't just build a temple because of the righteousness of the Jewish people, because of all the mitzvahs that were done leading up to that. We had enough merit in the world to create the first base of English. So it's a meritous thing that we have a base of English, and we can understand why this calls forth a blessing. And the same is also, of course, the third base of English is going to be rebuilt. We can also understand why, the, why that inspires a blessing. The third base on Mingdash, unbelievable. And that is an accomplishment from thousands of years of hard and, and, and the, the, the hard, challenging work during the time of Golos until we can bring the third base on Mingdash. Beautiful. But the question is what's inspirational to Yitzchak to see the base on Mingdash in a destroyed state? That's part of what Hashem shows him to what? To evoke the blessing. And it's not just destruction. When we see the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, we know that the physical destruction is a result of a spiritual destruction, and the spiritual destruction came about because of our sins, as we say, The Golos came about because of our sins, because of our unworthiness. Why, before you're going to cast a blessing or bring down a bracha, are you going to bring speak about something of of a sin, of 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 something that makes us be undeserving? This is not something that should be. Like we know, I think Yom Kippur, for instance, the Kohen Gadol doesn't win a wear gold clothing when he goes inside because you're seeking, you're beseeching God for his blessings and you don't want to use something that's going to remind or, or emphasize sin. So why, when Yitzchak has to bless and give, and we know one thing, here's the thing, we don't find in the rest of the Torah, we find many blessings. That, that Tzadikim blessed, Moshe blesses, Yaakov blesses, Moshe blesses the Jewish people, Yaakov blesses his 12 sons. There is many blessings going around in the Torah, Bilam blesses. But the highest and deepest blessings are Yitzchak's blessings. That's why we don't find such drama in regards to any of the other blessings like compared to Yitzchak. Because these were the highest and deepest blessings. They had to come through deception. The whole thing was so, so intense. Because Yitzchak is Gevura, and Gevura we're not going to get into, even though Gevura in its source is much higher than Chesed and kindness. Here is where the most intense, most vibrant blessings are coming from. But the question is, why in order to evoke those blessings are we going to have Yitzchak envision 
the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, the loss, the death, the, the emptiness, and, which, as we said earlier, the sins that led up to this destruction, why would this inspire a blessing? The other thing we need to understand is the manner in which it's hinted to in the Pasuk. You see, the first thing in which it says that Avram Avin, that Yitzchak saw the Beis Amigdash standing, why? Because it says, Reach Bini, which means Reach Banui. Well, we understand the Beis Amigdash, as we said earlier, is a place that creates a Reach, a pleasant fragrance, a pleasant scent to Hashem. Fine. Bono, it's built. Makes sense. The last Beis Amigdash that's hinted to in the words, Asher Berchay Hashem, that Hashem has blessed. So we understand that as well, referring to the third Beis Amigdash, because there's no greater blessing for the world than the third temple. The third temple is the greatest blessing that God has given and will ever give to humanity. It's like, the, that's a big bracha, the third Beis Amigdash. We can understand why it's hinted to in the words, Asha Berchayash. But when you're talking about a destroyed Beis Amigdash, so why don't we see the Beis Amigdash burnt, you see a building burning, you see embers, you see a pile of ashes, or you see a, 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 a broken, a, a destroyed, it doesn't say that. Sadeh, a field. Now, again, the Medrash says it's connected to the Pasuk, Sadeh Techaresh, a plowed field. But what, see, the plowing of the field, first of all, didn't happen even when the, when the Beis Amigdash was destroyed. It happened at a later period. When I think it happened after Bar Kokhva. If I'm not mistaken, 50 years after the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, there was a great uprising, a revolt against the Romans, in which the Jews were planning to take back their, 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 their governor, you know, to, 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 to expel the Romans and rebuild uh, the land as a, as a, as, as a Jewish uh, homeland and as and the Beis Hamikdash, and basically bring about herald and Yerubi Kiva thought Bar is Mashiach, and then things didn't work out the way they planned, and the Romans, when they finally were able to break and to, and, and to crush the revolt, came back, in order to teach the Jews a lesson, they shouldn't even think of rebuilding, first of all, they changed the name of Yerushalayim to something else, and they plowed it down until uh, uh, it became like a plowed field. So this happened later. So if you're, if you're looking about the Beis Amish destruction, so why don't we use something that emphasizes the, its destruction and not Sadeh, which is, okay, what is it? And more than that, the Pasuk doesn't even say a field plowed. It just says a field. And we have to know, we're talking about a plowed field, which was the base. What's the idea? Okay. So to understand all of this, we have to take a look at the actual blessings. So in the next Pasuk is where the blessings begin. Pasuk Chavches, verse 28. It says, Elokim. And God should give you. Mital shamayim from the dew of heaven, Mishmana Ya'aretz, from the fat of the earth. Verov Dagan, and a lot of grains, V'tiroish, and wine. Fine. The words, on the words, V'yitain lecha, and God should give. <coughs> you don't begin a new paragraph. You don't begin... Talking with and. And is always a connector, a word that comes in the middle of a sentence, but definitely not at the beginning of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a conversation. Over here, Yitzchak begins his words to his blessings, and he opens up with and. So Rashi says, on the words, Rashi says that what Yitzchak was saying, God should give you, and he should give you again. He should give, and he should give again. That's why it says, and he should give. Because the Vayitin the, Lecha the is implying that Yitzchak said something before, and now, and something else. So, which means that Yit, what the Torah is, recur, is recording is midway of Yitzchak's sentence. 
Yitzchak said, let him give, and he should give. Or, not really that that's what it means. Yitzchak really said, and he should give. But the reason why the words came out of Yitzchak's mouth, and he should give, because this was a double giving. He should give, and he should give again. Okay? Uh, so now we need, but that needs a little clarification. What does this mean? He should give, and he should give again. I mean, if he gave you the first time, so he gave you. What does it mean he has to give again? You see, when, when a human being gives something, there's a limit to what you give. A human being is limited. So if a human, you come to someone, he takes, sticks his hand in his pocket, he takes out his cash that he has in his pocket, he gives you. Let's say he gives you all the cash that is in his pocket. It might be a lot, but it still has a limit. So you come back to him another time, say, you know what, you helped me last time, can you help me? So he'll give again. But when God gives, Hashem's bracha is infinite. So if Hashem is blessing, it's, it's an abundant, infinite blessing. So he wanted the Indian that he should give and he should give again. What else is he giving again? If he was given everything, was given already the first time. There's a, there is an infinite giving. So what, what's, what's the end? When should, now the Sifzah Chachamim, for instance, wants to interpret Rashi to mean, just in case there is a sin, which the sin goes and it's going to interrupt the blessing. So and he should give after. You sinned, you stopped the, the, flow, you stopped the flow. And then he's going to go back and give again. The problem with that is, you can't say that's what he means. Because Yitzchak clearly says later to Esav, when he finds out that this was really a scam, and it really was Yaakov who cheated the blessings, but he agreed with it. And Esav comes back and crying, Father, please give me a blessing. So Yitzchak says, what can I do? I blessed already your brother Yaakov. He took all the blessings. He says, please something. And his father, so Yitzchak says, well, you know what? If your brother is not going to follow the ways of the Torah, he's going to remove the yoke of God, then you're going to be able to remove the yoke of Yaakov, your brother, and you're going to, and you're going to, you're going to be power. You're going to have power over your brother. So you see clearly that if Yaakov sins, the brachas will stop. It does say so. So you can't say that over here, just simply in pshat. You can't say over here, v'yitin v'yachsa v'yitin means that just in case he will stop, he will give again, when clearly uh, the, 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 that's not the story. The story is if, if, you, if, 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 if the blessings will stop, it's stopping. Not that he's giving and he's giving again. Right? And we can't say that, that Yitzchak only changed that later because Esau complained and that's why Yitzchak came and changed that later because if as a result of Esau's complaining, Yitzchak can change it, so why does he say to Esau, I can't, what, what should I do for you? I can't give you anything. Then he can change everything. The fact that he doesn't change is saying that this was initially the intention. This was the initial intention. That he gives, and if he stops it, he stops it. Finish. Chas So then the question over here is, so what does it mean? He will give and he will give again. If in the first time when he's giving, he's giving already everything. Because what's holding God back from giving everything? Hashem doesn't have to give it in increments. He gives it. Now, sometimes you do find that when you're blessing someone, due to the weakness of the recipient, due to the limitations of the recipient, you're blessing someone with a limited blessing. So you might say, yeah, no, no. Mitzant God from Hashem's, from God's perspective, since God is giving the blessing, He can give infinite. And therefore, what? Fine. There's no need to give and re-give again. But since the recipient is, is, is receiving one particular thing because he can't handle everything. So once he receives one thing, then later he can receive something else. For example, give a simple example. When um, Yaakov Avinu blesses the Shvatim, he blesses each Shevet with particular things that that Shevet is going to, that tribe is going to excel in, or that tribe is going to have a particular blessing. 
So you see, one gets one thing and the other. So it's possible to give again, which means to add on more things. That would have been good, however, if this was an individual blessing to a private person. But when God was blessing Yaakov, he was, I'm sorry, when Yitzchak was blessing Yaakov, he wasn't blessing an individual person with individual powers. He was blessing what's called an Hashemah Koleles. He was blessing the sum totality of all the souls of Israel. Yaakov is all the souls of Israel. Like we know, the Gemara says in Masechtus Baba Metziah, it's also stated in Zohar, that Yaakov looked his appearance, his facial, his body, his, his, his appearance, his facial features were exact copy of Adam Arisha. He looked like the first, like Adam Arisha and like Adam. Yaakov was a human being. If you wanted to look at, look at Adam Arisha, it's interesting, I, I mentioned in another class a few years ago, that there's a story that when one of the people, Rabbanah, came to mark the graves by Maharas HaMachpelah, and he came inside, he was marked. We learned a very fascinating discourses about this. He came to mark the graves. He went into Avram and, and Sarah, and he asked Eliezer was standing by the door. It was a whole fascinating discourse, which we discussed. That Yaakov comes in and, and, he asks, and, and Eliezer says, what do you want? He says, I want to go visit Avram. He says, let me go check if it's okay. He comes back and he says, no, you can't go in now. So he, then he says, um, uh, what's, what, what are they doing? He says, well, Avram is laying in, in, Sarah's, in, Avram is laying in Sarah's arms and she is looking in his hair. So yeah, and then Rabbi Noah says, everybody knows that there's no Yetzahara in, 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 in the world to come, so therefore let, they can let me in. Or Avram said it, I'm not exactly sure. Anyways, from there he wanted to go into Adam Harishon's cave, to go to visit Adam and Chava. And there was a heavenly voice that came and said, stop, you're not going any further. And they said to him, because you looked, he said, he said because I don't let you look at at my image. God says, you, don't, I, you can't see my image. It's okay that you saw the copy of a copy. You didn't see the original. Adam is an original. You saw Yaakov, be happy with Yaakov. You saw a copy of the original painting. Adam is the original painting. This is a copy of the painting. But Yaakov is a copy. What does it mean deeper than that, that he's a copy? Shufre de Yaakov, the Shufre de Adam. It means that Yaakov is all-inclusive, just like Adam Arisham was all-inclusive soul that included everybody. So our Yaakov has it within himself the qualities of Shevet Yehuda and the qualities of Shevet Levi and Reuven and Shimon and all across all the qualities. That means that his blessing included everything. Because the Jewish people have everything. Bakol, Mikol, Kol. So the blessing that Yitzchak is giving him, which is the blessing coming from Hashem, the Yitain Lecha Elokim. So both the giver has infinite ability to give, the recipient has an infinite vessel to receive all the blessings. So one has to be given a second time. It was given once already. V'yitain, he should give, and he should lachser, and he should give again. What needs to be given again? And let's take actually the blessings itself. What did he tell him? Mital hashamayim, from the dew of heaven. The dew of it. First of all, the fact that it's coming from heaven is great, but mital hashamayim, heaven has a lot of goodies. But dew is greater even, is, is the best of the heaven. The best that heaven has to offer is dew. Because we know dew is even greater than rain. Rain is wonderful, and dew is much higher than rain. So he's giving him tal hashamai. And from the earth, what is he blessing him? He doesn't give, like Moshe Rabbeinu, 
One person, he says, you're going to have oil. The other one, he says, your eyes are going to be bloodshot from, from wine. You're going to dip your feet in oil. You're going to have, your, your fruits are going to be the quickest to this. You're going to have uh, all the diamonds and things you're going to find by Zvulun. You're going to find all the precious uh, pearls by the water. Each one, he gives them particular blessings. What does what 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 Yitzchak say to Yaakov? Mishmane aretz, from the fats of the earth. Everything. So you see that the blessing is an all-inclusive blessing. It's not just detail. It's not detail. It's not specifics. If it would be specifics, you can say, he'll give you one thing today, and then I'll add on something else tomorrow. But it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not an individual blessing to an individual person. It's a general person who's receiving everything. So then what is the meaning of a yachsar v'yiti? Next question. It says, v'yiti l'cha ha'elokim. Who should give? God should give Elohim. Strange that we're using the name of Elohim for a blessing. Usually we know, Shem Yudke Vavke, the name, the Tetragrammaton, Yudke Vavke, Shem Avaya, is the name associated with chesed, with kindness. The name of Elohim is the name of contraction of din. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago at Parshas Noach. We had a long discussion about the two various names, Elohim. Elohim is not where you're going for a, for a bracha. When you're going for a blessing, when you're going to complain, and you want judgment or something like that to be chas v'shalem, so then you call for Shem Elohim. So why the highest, mightiest, deepest blessings in the world are coming from Shem Elohim? We actually discussed this in a class maybe last year or two years on the Monday class. All right, one more thing. Um, let's say true. The yitain that, the yitain l'cha Elohim, because it has a vav, it implies that there is not only one giving, there is two givings. You're giving once and you're giving again, like Rashi says. But how come is only the second giving explicitly stated and the first time is not? Why didn't it really say in the Pasuk? Yitain lecha, v'yitain lecha elokim. Why do we only have the second giving? Because the fact that it's a vav means something happened already before. And give. And give means I gave already and give again. So how come the first giving is not even... It's implied, but it's not explicit. Only the second giving is the one that's explicit in the Pasuk itself. It says it out. So to understand all the above, let's use an analogy of a teacher and a student. And everybody knows the famous line, you can teach someone, if you teach someone how to fish, then you've, I'm sorry, if you give someone fish, then you're giving them lunch. If you teach them how to fish, then you're giving them a livelihood. I am not saying that correctly because I don't remember it ex- correctly exactly the line of it, but that's the idea. You know, if someone is hungry, you can give them, you can give them a fish. Uh, but, if, but, if, but, but if you really, really, really want to take care of them, you'll teach them how to fish themselves and then there's no limit. And, and that's in every relationship and every time there is a giver and a recipient. If you teach someone a, tr- a craft and you teach someone a trade, you've helped them infinitely. If you're just giving when someone is in need and you just give them whatever it is, you give them lunch or you give them money, then you've given them and they'll obviously they'll run out and then they'll be hungry again. They'll be destitute again. But if you can teach them how to do it on their own, it's a whole different story. So this is actually this is a Mishnah Masechtas Perkeyavis. The Mishnah speaks about qualities of students, two types of students. There's a teacher, there's both, it's a teacher and a student. There's a teacher that teaches the student and he gives him information. And the student is a good student, listens very carefully, absorbs the information, 
and reviews the information again and again and again, and as a result of that, they retain the information, and they don't lose anything. And the Mishnah calls that in Pesachtas Perkayav is Bor Sid She'enoi Ma'abed Tipa, a plastered pit cistern that whatever you pour into it, it doesn't lose anything because there's no cracks in the wall. And all the wine or all the water that you put into it, you know it's there because there's no weird that the water or the wine or whatever liquid it is can escape. And there's an amazing student. He's got a photographic memory. Everything that he's been taught remembers exactly, can repeat. A six-hour class, sentence by sentence, all the parts and everything in it. The Gemara says that kind of student was a student of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. His name was Eliezer ben Horkinus. If you needed an encyclopedia from all the teachings of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai, who was the master of the entire Torah? So if you wanted to know any shear that Rabbi Yochanan and Zakkai gave on Gimel, Parshas, Nitzavim, Tafshin, Chav, Gimel. So he, this student, Rabbi Yehazar ben Horkinus, he can remember from Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai every single class, every single nuance of every class. Bor, Sid, She'enoi, Ma'abed, Tipa. He did not lose a drop. And there's another kind of a student where the teacher teaches the student and the student maybe forgets a lot of the information. Or maybe forgets part of it or, or half of it or even a lot of what he learned. But the teacher has worked very hard to teach the student how to use their own mind to explore, to analyze, to understand. And they can on their own now tackle a subject and use kind of the, method, the, the teachings, the method that the teacher has given them to navigate it with their own mind and figure out and study on their own. It's a different quality. So the Gemara says that was Rabbi Lazar ben Arach, another student of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Where Rebbe, uh, uh, the, he excelled in what was called Mayon Hamizgaber. He is like a spring that, that, that prevails and it's constantly bringing new water. On his own, he was a brilliant mind. And when Rabbi Yochanan taught him how to learn, now as a result, he's also a student of Rabbi Yochanan. It's not like he just was a great mind. He didn't just, wasn't a self-made man who made his own learning. He was a student of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, however, taught him how to be a spring. And now, Rabbi Yochanan can walk away, and even if he doesn't remain, has all the teachings, he knows the fundamental principles of the way of analyzing and, 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 and comparing and whatever else is needed, uh, the skills of the mind to be able to study, to be able to learn, to be able to figure things out on his own. Each one of them has a quality in terms of the quality of the information. If you really want all the information for Rabbi Yochanan Zaka, you're not going to go to Rabbi Laza ben Arach, you might not have clarity. You might have to go to the encyclopedia who remembers everything. But there is a very, very great quality in the one that's a spring a, a, that is always renewing itself because it is limitless. This one still has only a certain set of information. I mean, after all, Rabbi Yochanan taught whatever he taught. It's a certain fixed amount of knowledge. Rabbi Elizabeth Arach, due to his abilities of his own refinement of his own brain and of his own mind, let's not understand something. Rabbi Elizabeth Harkinus had a mind of his own, but compared to Rabbi Elizabeth Arach, he, that wasn't his thing. His thing was memorization of everything that he learned. Rabbi Elizabeth Arach was that student and that's why the sages say, which one weighs, from the two qualities, which one is greater? So the sages say an interesting thing. They said if you put all the, all, all the scholars, 
all the scholars of the generation on one side of the scale. And you'll put Rebbe Lezeb and Horkinus on the other side, he will outweigh them all. His knowledge is more than all the knowledge of all the sages put together. Fine. But then the Mishnah continues. Now, if you take all the sages, including Rebbe Lezeb and Horkinus, and put him on one side of the scale, and put Rebbe Lezeb and Arach, Rebbe Lezeb and Arach on the other side, he will outweigh them all, including Rebbe Lezeb and Horkinus. Which it doesn't say, the other way around it doesn't say that. The reason is because the Gemara sees, the Mishnah sees, the quality of someone who has learnt the skills and learnt the abilities to study on their own to be of a greater accomplishment than just having the information. Because as we said earlier, here you're limitless. I mean, obviously every human being is finite and they're going to live till 120 and they're going to leave this world. But we're talking in concept and possibility. There's no limit. They can, they can innovate and innovate and innovate because they learned how to do it on their own. They're not limited to those subjects and those areas in where the teacher taught them. That is when it says in the Pasuk over here that God, that Hashem is going to give the blessings. Yitzchak is blessing uh, um, who he thinks is Esau, but it's really Yaakov. And he blesses him that God should give you a blessing. And then he says, and v'yachzor v'yitain, he should go again and give again, doesn't mean he's going to give you in quantity, give you whatever the blessing he's giving you. No. The second element, the repetition of the giving is, he should give you a bunch of blessing, but he should give you the ability and the understanding of how, for you yourself, to bring about blessing. For you yourself to be able to be productive with that which was given to you. You're given, you're given amount of, you're giving tremendous amount of wealth. There's sometimes a child who is an inheritor of a great inheritance. Come back 20, 20 years later and the person just mamish um, spent all the money their father gave them and never knew how to invest wisely or build whatever. And that's it. And now they're a pauper. Even though the hand is huge Yerusha. And then there is the kid who knows the father taught him how to run the business. He takes the money and he makes so much more money from the money that he had. And that is what the Ebershter is giving, giving, giving the, what Yitzchak is giving the bracha. Yitain he will give you, God will give you. V'yachzor, v'yitain, and he will give you again, which means he will give you the skills and the knowledge to be able to take all the blessings that he gave you, making it yours and making it, um, making it all a tool and an instrument to be able to increase more and more and more to endless. That's... Because we understand that Rebbe, I mentioned I mentioned earlier, Rebbe Lazar Ben Arach's ability to be able to innovate that too he got from his that too he got from his from his Rebbe. It's not like this was I mentioned it wasn't his own thing. How do you see that? Because the Mishnah begins Hamisha Talmidim Hayal Rebbe Yechonim Ezakai. Rebbe Yechonim Ezakai had five students. Which means that's not only Rebbe Lezeb ben Horkinus is a student, because he has the information from his teacher, Rebbe Lezeb ben Arach is also a student, because this, this very power that he has to be able to explore and to learn and bring out the waters on his own, dig out water on his own, that too was taught to him by his teacher. So in our case, applying this to Yitzchak's blessing, Yitzchak is blessing his son Yaakov. Hashem should give you abundance, but you should have the know-how to be able to take that abundance and keep on increasing the blessing, making it on your own. You should be able to stand on your own feet, not needing only that which was given to you. Very, 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 very. And that, that's what you see. When we say that, then we realize something else. The words, the yitain he should give, 
and he should return and give, make so much better. Because what's happening now is not just he's giving again. He's going back to the original Vayitain. He's giving whatever he gave you, but he's giving it to you twice. One sort of giving, see what I'm saying? You can, it's, we're not dealing with giving more, giving something else. You're giving the very same thing that you're giving, but you're opening up another dimension in that very giving. That, that that which I gave you should now become so much yours, I'm giving it to you with the skills, with the information to be able to, to, to make it, to, 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 to uh, actualize it or make it yours. So it's, that's the meaning. Let it, that's the meaning. Go back to the vayitem, that which I gave you, and give it to you again, but this time give it to you with the abilities to make it yours and do with it. That, 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 that is something that you, that you, that you can increase with, from your own powers. That's the idea. Now, if we take this concept and we, and we realize that, hold it, it's not just, you know, taking money and being able to make more money from the money that you have. Or as a teacher-student giving you information and being able to make more, learn how to learn and how to study and get more enlightenment from that which I've, you've been taught. But this applies to a general, a general approach to life. In our service to God, there are the two manners, two types of people in the Jewish people. There are the traditionalists and then there are the innovators. The traditionalists are what we would call the tzaddikim. The tzaddikim are the ones that are the champions of tradition. They're the ones that are holding on to whatever was given at Sinai. That's tzaddik. A tzaddik is a person who is blessed. And he follows the program that God has given. Which means all the holiness of the tzaddik, and all the godliness in the tzaddik, all the energy, all the power, all the light, and all the brightness that's in the tzaddik, is really coming from Hashem. Hashem gave us the Torah, and Hashem gave us mitzvahs, and the tzaddik is downloading whatever God told him to download. And he's living his life that way, and he's filling his, his himself and his surroundings with tremendous bracha, with unbelievable light and unbelievable blessings. But it's all a channel of what God is giving. He's a very good student. He retains, he doesn't forget whatever he learns. He's meticulously observing all the details. He's following exactly the instructions that the teacher is teaching him, but he never goes out on his own to chart his own way in a uncharted waters or in an uncharted or in, an, or, in a, or in a place that has not been mapped out. Or definitely that which God had clearly put a line and said, over there, let's not go there. Let's just keep away from that. From that aspect of reality, don't go there. And the tzaddik keeps away from that. He stays completely within the guidelines of where the teacher has mapped out and following exact instructions. But then we know there's a different type of a Jew. And that type of Jew is called the Baal Tshuva Jew. And the Balchuva Jew has a whole different, different situation. Because the Balchuva Jew has gone off, the, 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 peni, the, the penitent has gone off, gone astray, not followed the instructions. And what? And uh, the energy to serve God and the desire to cleave and to bond and to connect to Hashem is not coming as a result of a flow from above. There is an internal desire. There is something coming from within 
the Balchuva, from in the penitent soul, in which he or she is seeking. He, he and she or she are looking to connect, to be unified with God. Yes, to be a Balchuva means you get with the program. You are not on the program and you need to get with the program. But when the Balchuva does that, they have an incredible um, element of innovation. What's innovating? Because they're bringing with them to the, to the observance of Torah and mitzvahs, they're bringing energies that are from outside the, the, uh, the framework of where God has kind of permitted us or told us to use as the materials with which we learn Torah and do mitzvahs because the Balchuvah's got a bunch of darkness in his life. He or she's got a bunch of sins, negative things that God says clearly these are dangerous, toxic materials. Do not ever go there. But the Balchuvah hangs these things already because they've gone there, they've sinned. Now when they're turning back, you're turning back with everything. Not only that, those very, very negative energies, those very, very dark, toxic materials now become a a powerful, powerful entity which causes the person, which propels the person to seek godliness and to yearn for Hashem with a deeper yearning. Why? Because they feel the grip of death holding on, trying to grab them and pull them and suck them in into the darkness of hell and they're trying to run away from that and their thirst and longing for God is so intense and so powerful as we discussed so many times. And what happens when they do that? Zedonis Nasis Kazachias. That the very sins themselves become like merits. Which means there is innovation. There is something new. Something in Judaism that has not been here. Energies that are alien to the Jewish experience. They're different. And let me just translate this to a way that we can understand. Let me, let me, let me, let me, that's just simple. And I'm not dealing with deep energies conversion. Let's take a look at the Jewish people today. There has been what we call from Jews. From Jews have a certain style of music. They have a certain style, certain, certain things. These are, these are Hasidic songs that were sang in rupshits and in bells and ay, 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 oy, oy. And now you have Bali Chuvas who are coming with a different style of music. They have rock bands and, they have, and they're singing, they're bringing this, this whole alien and you have a Hasidic Shayyid coming from the Altaheim walking in and he hears this and he doesn't even know what to make with it. But the stuff is very powerful. Very, very strong. There's a conversion. There are certain flows of energy. I'm not saying you know, that that means that in Skver and in Bells you have to start playing. Uh, that, that's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is that there's a certain enrichment. There's a certain reality. There's a certain, there's a certain energy that's coming into the Jewish experience and into the connection uh, to Hashem that's bringing with it Sparks of holiness, elements that up till now were in a unholy and in a negative place. I just saw yesterday that the great Vlednik Rebbe, Rabbi Yisrael Noyach, Yisrael Doiva Vlednik, people traveled to him a lot these days because he's known to be a big, I mean, he passed away many years ago, but his caver is known to be a place where miracles happen. So Rabbi Yisrael Vlednik, he would, tra- would go, this is what I read yesterday, he, when he would travel, he would stop by by bars. And, uh, and uh, whatever, uh, pubs, and he would sit and he would listen to bands for hours. For hours. He would listen to the music of the various different performers that were. And he said that there are deep, deep secrets of Torah that have fallen into the klipa, and they're in the songs. And when, I, and when, he, and when he listens to the songs, he hears 
secrets of Shir Hashirim. The secrets of the Song of Songs of Shir Hashirim, he picks it up from the songs that are being played at rock band, song, uh, uh, thing. Obviously a regular person can't do this, but I'm just giving the idea that, a bal, bal, that, that the Balchuva picks up gems. Um, and was, it was so much that when he was coming to Chernobyl, to Ramordechai to of Chernobyl, and he was coming there for Shlichus, uh, and he, he was, <laughs> but he got caught. He was supposed to come, and the, the Chernobyl Rebbe was waiting for him to come. But meanwhile, he was, uh, he, he was playing a bar. And meanwhile, the Rebbe wants to go to Slichas, and he's in a bar. He was there till about 3, 4 in the morning, and he finally came. And when he came, Ramotel of Chernobyl began Slichas. And Ramotel of Chernobyl said to him, No, what's with the secrets of Shir Hashirim? What did, you, what did you pull up? What did you bring in? What I'm just saying is that there are certain things that w- from within the channel of the way God decided to channel things from above, these things don't exist in the Jewish experience. But the Balei Tshuva who've wandered and, 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 and um, scattered and have gotten far blungeted in every... Think, think, look about the, 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 the Balchuva world today. Jews coming from every type of place. Jews that have been wandering in the Himalayas, in the various different religions and Eastern cultures and places. People from all elements. And when they come back to Yiddishkeit, they're coming back, first of all, with a thirst and a longing that is far more powerful than the tzaddik, which actually comes about from these hungry sparks that have now found their way into a Jewish soul and they're now helping in the return of tshuva of this Jewish, of this neshama. This is the idea of mayon hamizgaber or borsh sit ma'abetipa. The borsh sit ma'abetipa is the perfect from yid that has never done any averis. He follows a certain program and he can tell you every minog, the minog that happened in this chasidus and from there. He knows everything. Every element doesn't drop every element in his Yiddishkeit. That's something very, very beautiful. But there's something very colorful and powerful in the Balchuva Jews in the Yidden that are coming back after they've been separated because they're bringing, they're like we said earlier, they're bringing new waters coming from below. Very, very. Now, let's understand something. Even in the world, in the life of a tzaddik, there are these two energies, these, these two elements. There's channeling from above and innovating from below. Let's take a look at it even a regular day when a tzaddik, when a person who's a, an observant Jew who's following tradition, Wakes up in the morning. The first thing he does, I thank you, God, for returning my soul to me. In other words, I'm a recipient. God, you gave me my nisham. And then we start davening. And when we're davening, what are we doing? We're turning to God, asking Him for the blessings. Hashem, please give me this, give me wisdom, give me healing, give me... It's request, we're asking. And if we request, what happens? Without a doubt, Hashem answers us. So the beginning of the day, we are, as we said before, it's a recipient. But then... Once we're done davening, here's where we become active and create our own holiness. How do we create our own holiness? By doing mitzvahs and learning Torah. That's, and now we're not just acting as recipients, but we're active. We're generating Kedusha. So you can say the same idea. There is an energy flowing from above, and there is the Chidush, the novelty that's happening from below. However, not, a, not, not, a, not fully the case. Why is it not fully the case? Because... The things that we are doing as Torah and mitzvahs, they're, even though we're the ones doing it, we're being, at least we're following the program, we're following the instructions that God instructed us. So we're not really, it's not real, a real chiddush. The real chiddush and the real novelty comes dafka, comes only from the Baal Because the, the power to do tshuva is where? It's not coming from above. The, the inspiration of tshuva is coming 
from a, a person who feels wretched in the darkness, feels horrible, and needs to come, but it's from within his own neshama. And that's how he's returning to God. It's coming from below. It's the waters coming from below. Now, but, however, even this power of tshuva, the initial power to do tshuva comes from where? God. It says every day there is a, a heavenly voice that goes out and says, Shuvu banim shoivavim, my wayward children to tshuva. If God would not call out, return to me, my children that are wandering. If God would not call out, return and come back to me, then what? Then we would, no one would be able to do tshuva. We can't do anything unless there is, there has to be a spark from the Abishter. However, once God sparks it and enables and sets the, or, or, or creates that, that call, and that, 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 that call is announced and it reverberates throughout the universe, then what happens? That enables the tshuva process to happen, where people on their own, from within themselves, are seeking to return. These are the two, the two elements. So now we'll understand that when Yitzchak was blessing Yaakov, thinking it was Esau, as we're going to see in a moment, and he told him, God should give. And v'yitain means he should give and he should give again. And as we explained earlier, it means giving means the blessings are coming from above. Giving again means your ability to innovate from within yourself. We understand that in the broader sense, what does it mean? He, Yitzchok was empowering the two types of Jews that are going to be within the Jewish people. He was empowering the traditional Yidin who are keeping the tradition and channeling thousands of years of knowledge and wisdom from above. And he was also empowering the innovative, spicy, fervent, excited Jews that are coming back and doing tshuva with the extra vigor and the extra power and sweeping up the darkest things in creation that Jews couldn't have ever dreamt of elevating and even these things are becoming elevated. And that's the second empowerment that Yitzchak is giving. And we'll understand why this blessing for tshuva only happened now. comes out that this is a blessing to be a tzaddik. That's the first v'yitain. And the second v'yitain is the blessing to be a balchu. Now we'll understand why this blessing only happened now and not in an earlier time. Because for two reasons. Number one, up to this point, there wasn't a Jew that needed to do tshuva. There wasn't such a concept of a bal tshuva as a Jew. There were people who did tshuva. Cain did tshuva. Cain, right, after he killed. Adam Arishon did tshuva, but Adam Arishon is not really called Jewish. Cain is not a Jew. So the first Jew that was alive was Avram Avinu, but Avram was a tzaddik. So there was no need for Avram to do tshuva. Yitzchak was also a tzaddik. So there's no need for Yitzchak to do tshuva. So who's the first person who can do tshuva as a Jew? So let's think a second. Maybe Yishmael. But Yishmael is not considered a Jew. And Yishmael did do tshuva. It says Yishmael in the end of his life did do tshuva. But it's not Jewish tshuva. It's non-Jewish tshuva. Why? Because Yishmael is not considered a Jew. Because it says, in the, in the, it says, Avram sheyatsam emenu Yishmael. Yishmael goes out of him, becomes a separate, becomes an entity, gets spit out of the Jewish experience. He's not a Jew. So his tshuva doesn't really have the, the, the true depth of tshuva. When he's doing tshuva, he's not returning to a certain natural state, he's changing. See, for a non-Jew, when they do tshuva, they're actually changing. 
you were bad and now you're becoming good. By the Jew, when you're doing tshuva, you're not changing. You're just coming deeper into a deeper, purer place within yourself because deep inside you were always a Jew. You're just rediscovering yourself. It's a whole different experience. Esav is the first Jew who needs to do tshuva. Because Esav is considered a Jew. Esav is considered a, not his children, but Esav himself was considered halachically Yisrael Mumer, a Jew who is a Mumer, which means he's a, he's a non-practicing, he's a rebellious Jew. But he's not, Esav was a Jew. Where do you see an interesting thing that Esav is considered a Yid? When Sarah speaks about Yishmael, she says, Kiloi Yirash as Ben Ha'ama Hazois. That the son of the maid will not inherit. There's no inheritance to Yishmael. But by Esav it says clearly, Ki Yerusha, not, uh, I've given this, the land of Seir, Yerusha le Esav. I've given it Yerusha to Esav. Esav has Yerusha, he has inheritance. He's considered a Jew. And the reason you can say, but in the simple, the Pasuk actually just said it. By, Esav, by Yishmael, it's Ben Ha'ama. He's the son of the maid. He was, his mother wasn't Jewish. His mother was Hagar. But Esav is a Jewish father and a Jewish mother. The son of Rivka. So Esav is considered a Jew. And this is the first Jew who can do tshuva. Now Esav, so when Yitzchak, Yitzchak knows that Esav is, a, is, a, is not a tzaddik. Yitzchak knows that Esav, you see clearly that Yitzchak said, when, how did, how did, why was Yitzchak suspicious when Yaakov came in? Because Yaakov mentioned God's name. And, and, Esav said, and Yitzchak said, Esav never mentions God's name. So it's not like Yitzchak that Esau was able to fool him to the degree that he doesn't know that that Yitzchak doesn't know that Esau is a wicked man. He knew Esau was a wicked person, but Yitzchak thought that there's two types of Jews. There is the tzaddikim and there are the Baal Tshuva. So Esau is going to be the Baal Tshuva Jew. And that is why, what did he do? He gave him this blessing. And that's why Dafke to him is where he gives the Yitain, the Yachser, the Yitain. He should give you again, meaning to say that all the blessings, that all the holiness that God has given to me, fine, that's channeling. That's what he gave Avram Yitz. This is all a, they're all conduits for God's light into the world when you're a tzaddik. But you, my, my son Esau, you have a new avoda, you have a new thing. You're going to have to innovate godliness from within your own darkness. From within your own, own dark place that you find yourself in. From there you're going to find those living waters come shooting forth from your soul. And you're going to return and do tshuva. That was what he intended on giving to Esau. Problem is that Esau wasn't going to do tshuva. And as we discussed in earlier classes, had Esau received these powerful blessings, he would have used those blessings. It would have given him tremendous energy to further denigrate himself. It's like giving a drug addict uh, a lot of money. Uh, to go re- rehabilitate himself. He's not going to use it for rehabilitation. He's going to use it for more drugs. So Esau was going to do that. That was not. So in the end, who has to take on the role of both Tzaddik and Baal Tshuva? Yaakov. So Yaakov is dressed in Esau's clothing. And from within the Jewish people itself, we're going to have two groups of Jews. We're going to have the Jews who get it right the first time. And then we're going to have the Jews who get it right eventually. And they're the Baal Tshuva Two types of Jews. Now we understand something. What did we say earlier? What is the quality of the Balchuva over the tzaddik? I'm sorry. What is the quality over the... What's the quality of a spring? A, a, a Mayan Hamizgaber, a spring that, that brings forth water as opposed to a, a cistern that holds the water is that the cistern only has a certain limited amount of water because it couldn't do anything of its own. It's only holding what it has. The... the um, 
the uh, mayon, the spring, has limitless water because it's producing and producing. That's the meaning mizgaber. The real reason, meaning of gevura is that it's, it, 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 can, it can strengthen itself, strengthen itself, beligvul without an end. That's the power of gevura. So now we'll also understand why, um, why and, and, and we find that by a balchuva. Because when we look about the difference between tzaddikim and balichuv, it says b'makim shabalchuva oimed, ain't tzaddik gomer The tzaddik cannot reach where the balchuva stands. More than that, it says what it takes a tzaddik, a lifetime of work, a lifetime of work of mitzvahs and service to reach a certain level. A balchuva does it in one moment, one intense, heart wrenching moment. The balchuva skips all the levels and it reaches the top because it's limitless. He's dealing with limitless energy. That's why this, now we'll understand something else, why this blessing is related to Yitzchak Davka. Because Avram is Chesed. Chesed is a flow from above. Yitzchak is the, is the Gvura, is the power for rising from below. And that's why Yitzchak was a well digger. He, all his life he was looking for mud, and in the mud he brought out the hidden waters that are within. So the power of Tshuva is a Yitzchak element, it's not an Avram element. Which also tells us also another amazing thing. It says that Avram was afraid, Rashi brings it, that this week in the parasha it says that God, after Avram died, Hashem appeared to Yitzchak and he blessed him. I think it says in last week's parasha. So Rashi says, how come, by all the others we find that the father blessed the sons before they passed away. Yitzchak blessed his children, Yaakov blessed his children. How come by Avram it doesn't say that Avram blessed his children? Especially since Avram had the power of blessings, because in the beginning of Lech Lecha, what does it say? That Hashem said, till now the blessings were by me, I'm giving you the power to bless, you have it. So why doesn't Avram give it? So it says that Avram was afraid to bless Yitzchak. Why was he afraid to bless Yitzchak? Why was Avram afraid to bless Yitzchak? Because he knew that Esav is coming from him, and he was afraid that if he gives the blessing to Yitzchak, some of that blessing is going to go to Esav, and he didn't want that to happen. So the question is, hold it. Avram doesn't even want to bless Yitzchak because of the little bit that might go to Esav, and Yitzchak, who's, who sees Esav, He's not, he's not blessing someone and a part of this blessing might leak to Esau. He wants to bless Esau Mamish. So how does that make any sense? And the answer is, from Avram's perspective of channeling godliness into the world through a direct channel from above, which is chesed, which is what Avram is all about, there is no room. You, know, you need to follow instructions. Who's following instructions? Yaakov is a tzaddik. So therefore, that's where the blessing has to go. Esav has no room to come. But Yitzchak is Gevura. Gevura is that, we said before, Mayanam is Gabra, water coming from below. The, the fire, the, the, the lower water is crying, let's return back to our source. That, only Yitzchak can see that. So Yitzchak wants to bless Esav with the power of Tshuva. We're still left with a question. How come when Yitzchak blesses Esav, he blesses him v'yitein, it says, which means he should give and should give a second time. It would seem like, according to this, that Yaakov has to get the first yitain, because he's going to serve God as a tzaddik. And Esau is going to serve God as a balchuva. So Yitzchak should take his two blessings. The first yitain, let God give you, he should give to Yaakov. The second, he should give to Esau. How come he gives, thinking it's Esau, he gives him both the yitains? Yitain of the tzaddik, let God bless you with blessings from above, and also the yitain. 
And the answer is, we're going to see in a moment. Now, let's, let's, let's for a moment, so now we'll understand why as an introduction to, this, to these blessings, Yitzhak had a vision of two Beis HaMikdash and a field in the middle. This is really amazing. Why does he see two Beis HaMikdashs in the field in the middle? See the first Beis HaMikdash? Whenever there is something evoking a blessing, that which is evoking the blessing has to be similar to that which is being blessed. Since the blessing is now going to be the blessing for tzaddikim and the blessings for people that have gone astray and they're coming back, we can understand that's the difference between the first base of English and the third base of English. The first base of English was a time when we were still very traditional Jews. We went to Har Sinai, we received the Torah, and we had an unbroken chain. We remained loyal to tradition. And we went and we built the first base. The first base of English was a construction of tzaddikim. I'm not saying that every single person that lived during that time was a tzaddik. But in general, the thrust of the first base of English was a constant, it was Moshe Kibbal Torah Messinai, Umesara Yeshua, Yeshua Lezikeinim. There was an uninterrupted flow of tradition of holy tzaddikim, and that led up to the 15th generation of Avram Avinu, which is Shlomo Melech, who built the first base of English. That was tzaddikim. It's the first base of English. And that's the idea of reyach b'ni, reyach bonui. The reyach, the scent that is constructed. From who? From tzaddikim. B'ni, b'ni means my son, can refer to tzaddikim. Then, but then we have the third base of English. What's the third base of English? After the base of English is going to be destroyed. And it's going to lay in ruins. And okay, we're not talking about the second base of English for whatever reason, because the second base of English is not really considered as significant to base of English first. And then we come to the third base of English. What's the third base of English? After we've lost the first base of English, and we've gotten disconnected, and we've severed our ties with God, we eventually do tshuva, and as a result of tshuva, as it says in the, in the Rambam says, Torah, and in the end Jews are going to do tshuva. When we do tshuva, then what? And we do tshuva, then what? Then God is going to build us the third base of English. So the third base of English is what? A direct result of a, of a relationship that has been broken and then rediscovered again. It's the base of, it's the base of English of the Bali tshuva. And that is why in the middle, what does he see? He sees a field. And the field represents the destroyed base of English. Why is the destroyed Beis HaMikdash visualized as a field? Because that's where the process of tshuva begins. Hashem is not showing him the sins. The sins are not important. The fact that they're sins, the sins are not what are worthy of a blessing. The Beis HaMikdash being bombed, literally being bombed or broken down or burnt, that's not what's, what's important over here. What's important is, is why do we sin? So that we can become chas v'shalom, disconnected. So that when after we become disconnected, we can come back and be a bal tshuva. Now the service of a bal tshuva, why is it so intense? Why is the bal tshuva service so intense? Because the bal tshuva, the penitent, wants to run away from where he's at. Can't stand. See, the tzaddik is kind of satisfied with his, with his lot. Serving, he's... He's, he's an entity, he's a being, he's a holy being, he's a being connected to God. But there's a certain deep sense of satisfaction and meaning to his life. The penitent finds himself suddenly at a midlife crisis, and he looks at his life, 
and he's in the holding in his 50s or something, and he's looking at his life. And he's saying, what have I, what's, where's my life? Where is this life going to? I've had every desire I want. I've didn't followed my, my Yetzirah. I've had all, but what's that? What does it give me? Just leaving me with a big, tremendous, gaping hole. And he's searching from within that emptiness, from within that darkness. So, and, he, and, and his desire is that he, want, he or she wants to break away from their life as their life is determined and has been de- de- developed until now. What was? I want something completely new. A godless existence is so terrible and so bad, I don't want to have anything to do with it. The Balchuva wants to completely reconstruct himself. He or she wants to metamorphosize themselves. That's the idea of a plowed field. A plowed field is that you're coming to a certain plot of land, and you say, what is, is not good. So you take the spade, and you stake the plow, and you plow, and you're breaking the earth. The work of the Balchuva is a broken heart, a broken being, a broken existence. He or she cannot stand, they can't live with themselves. What has happened to me? That's a Balchuva in the grander scale. It can be even any person that does missteps and goes into a place of darkness and realizes where he or she has fallen and he says, Gotten Himmel, please, I can't stand this anymore. I can't be this anymore. So the whole experience of tshuva is experience of a plowed field. So that's what Yitzhak is seeing. Yitzhak is seeing, when he has his vision, he's seeing the broken heart of every Balchuva, of every person seeking God and saying, I cannot be who I am yesterday. I need to break what was. The plowed field. If so, let him see that. Why does he have to see the third base Amigdash built? The main thing is to inspire tshuva. The answer is, this is very important. So many of us have these broken moments. So many of us have these intense moments of awakening, whether it's Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Seder, Yom Tshuva, or Stam, one day we break down and we're crying because we feel that our life is so empty and we want, we want so much. And after we cry ourselves to sleep, and we just continue sleeping. And we feel kind of good because we cried already. So we've used all that energy, but nothing productive has changed in our life. That's why the vision begins with a, with a field, but it doesn't end with a field. It has to lead you to a third base on English. If you can use all your frustrations and all the, all the past misdeeds to create enough, enough tension, that will shakes you up to the core and unleashes powerful determination and energy to dedicate yourself to a life of meaning and a life of attachment. So you want, so, so you, and you reconstruct, the, there's no new ways to connect to God, there's only one way to connect to God, and that's through Torah and mitzvahs. But Torah and mitzvahs that comes from a soul that has been banished, from a soul that has become severed, from a soul that has become disconnected. When that soul comes back to Torah and mitzvahs, its love for the mitzvah, its excitement in its Yiddishkeit is so intense and is so powerful. And you have a third base amigdash that's much brighter and has so much more energy than the first base amigdash. The Torah and the mitzvahs of the tzaddikim are considered stale in comparison to the Torah and the mitzvahs of the baltruvas that are so intense and so powerful. But if chas v'shalim, you just leave it at what? At the broken, at, 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 a, at, 
at a um, at a plowed field. Okay, so you plowed a field. It's like the sages say: the wicked are full of full of regrets. You regret, and then you sin again. So what what has that regret led you to? So this that we're speaking about the intense. Powerful, dynamite energy that you have as a result of tshuva needs to lead into the next stage, a deeper involvement of Torah and mitzvahs with the meticulousness, with the caring to every detail, but with the energy and the devotion and what you might say, the madness, and I'm going to use the word again, the madness of a Baal tshuva. Makes me crazy sometimes because I'm... FFB, from, from birth. Sometimes I see people that are, and they're like so crazy when it comes to certain little things in Yiddish. And you say, relax, chill out already. Stop already being such a BT, right? <laughs> but that's the whole thing. The Balchuva is such a BT, such a Balchuva. Yeah. His mitzvahs are, there's no negotiations. There's no, on the tiniest little detail, he's ready to go into fire. Why? Because he's got that energy. So you need to take that energy and the frustration and then channel it into a third base amigdash. Now we'll also understand this is very important. Why, when he has the vision, remember we asked the question, why didn't he see a plowed field? He saw a field, but not a plowed field. You see, even though the symbolism in the field is that it's a plowed field, that you're destroying what was, but even while you're going through that, bulge, that destruction, even when you're going through that pain and that misery, and here's, I want to say something very important, which I never said in a share. That feelings of tshuva must be very focused at the time that you're experiencing them. It can't just be plain, non-directed frustration. Because if it's non-directed frustration, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be very intense energy, a lot of crying and a lot of weeping, and it's going to remain a plowed field maybe, but nothing else. You have to when you're plowing your field, when you're plowing your soul, you need to know that I am plowing my soul. I'm breaking, I'm now making my, I'm going to feel now intense feelings of heartbreak. But I am doing this purposefully. You know why I'm doing this? So that I can remake myself and build constructively. That's the idea of a field, not a plowed field. A field, when you see a field, what's a field? A field is a place for unbelievable potential. Of growth. That's a field. Plowed field, the emphasis is on the plowing. Yes, of course, in order to bring out that potential, you have to plow it. But the idea is when you're doing tshuva, you have to see your experience that you're going to have as a field. You're a human being, you're a godly being, you're a Jew. You have so much potential. No matter what has been in your life, you're a field that can produce God's produce. When you see that element of field, not plowed field, but field, then you can channel the plowing of that field. And you have in mind that I need to have a productive end to this. And what's the productive end? The productive end is the third base something that Yitzchak saw. All the edifice that you're going to build in Torah and mitzvahs that's going to come after you. So in a sense, the Balchuva also has to be a tzaddik. Tzaddik is his observance. He can't just use innovation to connect to God. He has to hop on to tradition. He has to go back to Shulchan Aruch. Follow exactly the ways. He can't just say, well, I discovered my way back to God and I'm going to connect to God the way I feel is right. You don't do that. You follow exactly what the Torah says. 
You use the energy of the Balchuva coupled with the dark elements of your life that's driving it. That's innovation. That's beautiful. That's powerful. But the actual observance has to be the ancient observance of thousands of years of tradition. That's what you go back to. So in the Balchuva, there's two things. There is the there is that intense that intense energy, and there's also the construction of the third base of Mignosh. So there is also the avod of tzaddik, and that's why when he blesses Esav, thinking it's Esav, he doesn't just give him one giving; he gives him both givings. He gives him Torah and mitzvahs. He gives him v'yitain, the first one, and he also gives him the v'yachzer v'yitain. He should return and give a second time, which is the giving of the Balchuva. Because in the work of the Balchuva is also hidden the observance of the tzaddik. But which one is stated openly in the Pasuk and which one is only hidden? The one that's stated openly in the Pasuk is what the Balchuva is mainly about. And that is the energy, the un, the, the un, the, that, that intense energy that the Balchuva has. That's why in the V'yitain, the first Yitain is hidden. Because the first Yidain is really the service of the tzaddikim. It's embedded and hidden in the service of the Balchuv. So it's the V'yitain, V'yachzer V'yitain, which you have over here. This also will explain why V'yitain L'chacha Elokim. Since this experience is a painful experience, since this experience involves in, in a heartbreak, in a certain complete breakdown of who you are and what you are, to become a complete different human being, it's associated with the harshness of the name of Elokim. It's not coming from the shame of Avai. It's the name of Yitzchak. It's the name of Elohim. But it's not a name of... Generally, Elohim means concealment. Here it's Ha-Elohim. The Elohim emphasizes that that power of concealing energy of the name of Elohim is openly revealed. Because we're dealing with intense energy and the harshness, but it leads to powerful revelation and powerful light. May we merit to experience the ultimate Geulah Shalema and the third base Amigdash that's going to incorporate within it all the work of the Jewish people, the Tzaddikim, the Balei Tshuva, everybody together. And we will see this magnificent base Amigdash. Let it happen now. Shumayim, the Elohim, 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 the Eloh